podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany, as well as the world's first internet radio station dedicated to startups and tech companies. Today, I have for you guys a very special guest who also received the special awards of the German Startup Awards 2021. Hey, Lukas, how are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. Great um, to be here with you. It's totally my pleasure. I have to admit, many people outside will not know you personally, but totally the companies we will be talking about soon, um, which is also the reason I do believe you got this special award. And as the most people who are following this podcast can already tell, this is a special episode in media partnership with the German Startup Awards. Let us get a little bit into who you are, because I've, uh, there's a lot out to find about you, at least in German. You are one of Handelsblatt's 50 most interesting founders. You're one of Wirtschaftswoche 100 most important people in the internet in Germany. And you won the special awards of the German Startup Association 2021. So that is quite a lot, but you've been active quite a lot as well. Um, my understanding is we can start where you studied in Paderborn, very, very close to the area where I grew up in Mannheim, the Handelshochschule Leipzig, aka HHL, plus you spent some time at Georgia Tech. Can you for, uh, tell us a little bit about you and pick up somewhere there? Because I do believe there's a special occasion in the library of the University of Mannheim we're going to talk about, right? Yes, we can. The first successful company that I started, but also there were special occasions in Paderborn. The first non-successful companies I started, the first very valuable learnings, HHL, all of these universities, there, there were special moments, um, um, for me. Yeah. But I think what might be interesting for the, for the, for the audience is that basically the selection of where to study already was with, uh, with the golden mind to become an entrepreneur. So Paderborn, uh, most of you will not know, uh, it, it's a small city in North Rhine-Westphalia and they, they're very well ranked for computer science and business double major. Yeah? And they're ranked so great for that because of they just have like amazing computer um, science students and, and, and curriculum. And that's why, I, um, yeah, why I studied there to prepare myself with some technology innovation, double major. One of them is like technology innovation. The other one is business. So the sort of like the content, the product, um, which is the technology and the craftsmanship, the, the, the MBA part, so to say, to become an entrepreneur. And so this explains my basically, yeah, um, where I studied, why I studied. And all of these universities have been exceptional. And one of the other things I enjoyed, Georgia Tech a lot, was also my first time in the United States. And yeah, prepared me to become what, uh, yeah, what I proudly can say today is a successful entrepreneur, yeah. Um, I was already hinting at this special moment at a university library in Mannheim. Um, from the interviews I've heard and seen before when I prepared for this interview, you founded Spreadshirt, your first successful, as you said, startup, um, uh, in the university library there. Can you take us a little bit through your thought process there? <clears throat> 
Yeah, so like, um, again, it starts with a general pattern. When you, you, you expose yourself to situations where you can get ideas, yeah? So if you want to have ideas about science and technology, expose yourself to something that is related um, uh, to that, yeah? And then one big question for wannabe entrepreneurs is like, what's the right business idea? What should I found? So if you expose yourself to real-world problems, then you find real-world situations, so to say, you find uh, solutions, yeah? Um, all of us have experience with eating food, for example. Yeah, that's why so many uh, people who want to start a business have restaurant, the restaurant type of ideas. Yeah, um, for me, it was like during um, uh, while, while still at my first university, I was working as a student consultant. Okay, there's like a like a, like you can imagine like a consulting company comprised out of students. Yeah, and this exposes you to real world problems how to build a team, what the customers want, etc. And one of my customers, one of my clients was a textile printing company. And this is where I learned about text, printing textile, printing t-shirts. And I've seen the problem. I saw the problem and I saw the solution. The problem was like single pieces. Yeah. So unique pieces, a unique print, fast turnaround, high quality. And um, this is ages ago. 20 years. Back then, digital printing was not what it is today. So the stuff that you received was really, really crappy. And that was um, our innovation at Spreadshirt. We make like fast turnaround. We would send you a t-shirt, customized t-shirt within 24 hours, high quality. And um, yeah, also on dark fabric, um, etc. And affordable. Yeah. And then also we combined it with a business model innovation. Um, you, you can design, you can create your own t-shirt shop, so to say. Yeah. And this gave us like sort of like a distribution for free. It was like a little bit like small website owners um, could could create a t-shirt shop. And this was the first successful business that I that I started and brought me on the path to, yeah, become what I proudly can say like one of, one of the inspiring um, entrepreneurs here in Europe. And this is what I think is reflected in some of these um, some of the awards. Yeah, and one of the early thinking there was. So soon after launching this concept, yeah, a friend came to me and looked at and said, like, look at what you're doing is great. And look here in the United States, there's a company called Cafe Press. They're doing a two, uh, your Cafe Press copycat. So I'm like, okay, I'm a copycat. I'd never heard of them before. It was not a copycat. They had like this white t-shirt print, different printing technology, but they had this shop partner thing. Yeah. And back then the thinking was, okay, if we stay in Germany, if we stay in Europe, at some point, the United States companies will come over and will crush us. So. It's hard, but before waiting for that to happen, let's go and expand to the United States. Yeah. So being a bootstrapped t-shirt printing company, we take the daring step expanding to the United States. Yeah. I um, went over personally first to Louisville, then whether for whatever reasons we ended up in Pittsburgh, close to Pittsburgh. So um, I know a few nice places in, in the United States. It's not only the typical coasts. Yeah. I studied Georgia Tech. Build up a business in Louisville, then in, then in Pittsburgh. So, um, lots, lots of fun. But, um, there we ended up being one of the first clients of the Facebook, you know, basically selling t-shirts online. And this is what inspired us. And this time I have to admit, we started a copycat, like a Facebook copycat then for Germany called StudiVZ, which very quickly became, um, one of Germany's largest websites, basically adapting what Facebook did for the, for the, for the German market. Yeah. And for the German market, it was even a bigger utility. Remember today, Facebook, social media, we all take it for granted. This was the world back then. This was 2005. 
none of this existed. It was a tremendous value to bring this transparency and enable this communication. I mean, I started business in a time there was no LinkedIn. It's so practical today. It's like amazing. Yeah. So this was then the, the next innovation. Yeah. So one innovation leads to the next is a little bit the message here, uh, too. Yes. Uh, as, as he said, uh, Louisville, that's right. The, the Louisville and Kentucky, right? My brain just short circuit, uh, bourbon. <laughs> and, um, the, uh, but, uh, bourbon, the derby. Um, yeah, I, I totally admit they're very nice places, um, in the United States outside the coast. Um, also where I studied in Texas, there's some very nice places. Go Midwestern state, by the way. And, um, basically, uh, I was, I was also, uh, one of the, uh, users of StudiVZ, uh, back when I was studying in Texas, 2006. Basically, I had a Facebook account at this time. You could only get it with a college email. And then I also kind of copied my ID, uh, there and did everything the same in StudiVZ, just in German. Um, you, you sold it to Holzbrink Ventures and it had some iterations afterwards. StudiVZ, MindVZ got expanded and so on and so forth. Um, it wasn't that successful then. Um, do you have any ideas what the new, uh, what the new owners did wrong? What may have worked for them as a strategy? Yeah, first of all, what did the old owners, what did us as a, as, as a founder, founding team uh, did wrong? Yeah. But one thing is like we, I think we limited ourselves selling it to the wrong party. Yeah. Um, if we would have been strong enough, good enough, we would not have sold it at all. Yeah. And maybe it would be a little bit of a different world today. The second best option would have to be to sell it to, to Facebook. Yeah. And would have, and it would have become something great. And we would have been, um, closer together with, the, with, with, with the Facebook. Uh, founders, etc. So we had an, um, a an offer from them. Basically, we decided to turn it down, um, together with some of our business angels back then, and sold it to a German newspaper instead. And what I learned from that is like, first of all, it's not desirable to to sell your company, right? Um, sometimes still, I don't know. It's desirable to have an exit. We sold. I think it's desirable to build something like large large independent company that's what's desired like facebook is great right all the smaller social networks that maybe made some uh, some money being exited yeah it's nice it's a great success for the founders but it's not the same yeah order of magnitude than, than, than being becoming a facebook yeah um so that's uh, that's that's one learning uh, one learning there yeah and this comes also within with, with an ecosystem in the United States, the ecosystem for entrepreneurship, for business, for venture capital is like, it's like I had, right? So I think like when, when Mark Zuckerberg, when they had an offer to sell Facebook, they resisted. I think back then it was like a billion plus pre-revenue, right? They resisted. We had an 85 million euro plus pre-revenue. Uh, inflation adjusted probably something like 150, 200 million today. And we took it. Yeah. And then the new owner, um, did not really know. They've been not experienced in, in, in digital. They've been neither experienced in digital internet, nor they've been experienced in MA. And the combination of the two led basically to, to, yeah, to going down. People in Germany say like, oh yeah, you lost against Facebook because of today Facebook is also the standard in Germany. 
I tell to that always, no, we didn't lose against the Facebook. We, we basically screwed up the, 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 the integration. We lost about, against ourselves. We lost against execution. Yeah. So you can imagine we divested something that was existed for 14 months and live for 10 months. We divested for this. Yeah. Back then 85. And um, one year after the new owner acquired it, there've been only one or two engineers left compared to when he acquired it. So we lost basically all engineers. Yeah. And um, as you can imagine, in a tech company, that's not good to survive. Yeah. So it was a, almost like a feature freeze for a couple, three years, just keeping up with the demand, no new features, no, no this, no that. And yeah, Facebook gradually um, uh, took over. Yeah, but still, great learning for us, great experience, great success in Germany. Everybody, not everybody, but like a certain generation knows it because of everyone was on the side. Yeah, so it's um, pretty cool. And I think it's still around, even though I have not visited it for years. Um, you, you said you uh, it's not desirable to sell a company, um, but when I look a little bit through your CV, uh, maybe it's because it's a little bit tilted towards the company you sold because then they become public and it gets newspaper coverage. My understanding is that you also been involved in founding of Brands for Friends, which was sold to eBay, Mr. Specs, which by the way, as we we're recording this, just went public a few days ago. So and it didn't get sold. Perfect. <laughs> yes, of course. And you've been involved in the founding of Cirque, an e-scooter company, which was sold last year to Bird. Um, all companies, most people will know who follow us on a regular basis, uh, but you actually sold them, even though you say it's not desirable. Can you take us through your logic, what you did there? Yeah, yeah. First of all, um, I had to go to my own, own learning curve myself, right? And um, that's that's one answer to that. I'm very proud. The very first company that that, that we mentioned, Spreadshirt, the T-shirt company, for example, um, we didn't sell. Yeah, we still own it. Like as, as founders, we have investors, but we still own it. And also, the the the, the plan is to keep it like um, to keep it independent. Uh, and um, some of these, sometimes there might be like special situations where it might make sense to sell because of something is on the wrong path or someone else indeed is the better owner. So every rule has its exception, but, but the good companies, the great companies, usually the founders are the best, um, are the best owners. Yeah. And specific case, uh, specific case of both Brands for Friends and Cirque. I think we made mistakes while starting the companies, while founding it. We made mistakes in the DNA of the companies and uh, it put us on a dangerous path and we ended up having to settle. Yeah. So um, while it's still a good success uh, in both cases, um, even to some extent, maybe uh, extraordinary. And um, this is really like, a, on, on a, uh, as we say in Germany, complaining on a high level. Yeah. <laughs> First world problems. While it's still good successes, they're not great successes. I mean, we sold, um, um, Brands for Friends was like um, a shopping club, yeah, fashion shopping, shopping club. We sold like three years after incorporation for 150 million to eBay. This was like 2009 or 10 and it was sold, yeah. So, um, but what we had, the opportunity was to, to create something that is worth in the billions, yeah. So on the one hand, yes, a success. On the other hand, we screwed up, yeah. And a little bit the same, I have to admit, um, with um, 
Yeah, with Cirque, we did not make it. Our vision was to build like this, um, make this like one of the global leaders um, as an independent company. And for various reasons, we made some, some, yeah, some, I made, I made some poor choices in the original um, uh, setup. So, um, yeah, second best option. And that is still a good success. Still amazing, amazing time. We learned, learned a lot. For me, also like hardware, skate hardware, homologated hardware. Uh, it was a great experience, yeah. Fast time to market, um, regulations within the cities, uh, lots of great talent. So, like, a uh, big shout out to all of the all of the Cirque alumni. There's quite a lot. We bring. Uh, I'm told, like, <laughs> I'm told, we, I think we we, we um, it went from zero to thousand people in less than twelve months, something like that. Yeah, um, both like within the headquarters, but also uh, basically people handling scooters on the street. That's Quite amazing hypergrowth. So amazing experience, good success, but not uh, not the ultimate goal. Yeah. So the ultimate goal: large independent companies. Delivery Hero is the best example. It, um, this is the biggest success. Also, the company that I founded, co-founded. Um, yeah. So this is now, and this is also why I'm why I'm one more reason why I'm well known in Germany. At least it's one of the largest internet companies um, in Germany. Yeah. Now like market cap um, around thirty billion. Uh, US uh, present in both in a few European countries, but also um, uh, global, very international. So Middle East, Asia, Latin America. We're not in the US, not yet. Let's see how this is um, going to going to go. Yeah, but um, this would be more more of a blueprint yeah, for for companies that we aspire to to build. And now, within the next batch, so to say, the companies that I'm working with, supporting, starting. And I think like incorporating all these learnings and staying, staying ambitious. Yeah. And uh, looking for the next order of magnitude, which I, which I trust is, yeah, I believe is again, very ambitious. If you come from the, from the 30 billion market cap success, you want the hundreds of billions. Yeah. So this is, um, yeah, very hard to achieve, but at least being one order of magnitude below, we can credibly shoot for this, for this goal. Uh, and I think to achieve that, we want to build something, need to build something that solves real problems and brings us uh, civilization to the next level. Yeah? And here we identified a few fields. One is very literally, and it is what is like called the urban air mobility, the flying car, so to say, although it's not a car, urban air mobility, air taxi, whatever the words are. I think it's like an amazing um, product that brings civilization really to the next level. Uh, so that's one field um, that we identified. And then the other is like um, energy, clean, abundant, um, clean, abundant energy. Um, and this is, this is, yeah, these are the fields that I'm working on, on today and yeah, aspiring to build companies that are large independent, teaming up with um, product and tech focused uh, founders and have a few very interesting, amazing companies that we support as uh, as Team Global, and I'm uh, yeah very excited, very proud, very happy, but also anxious, impatient. It's a lot of work. I totally see that. We may add for everybody who doesn't know, as you said, it's not present everywhere. Um, Delivery Hero, formerly known as Lieferheld here in Germany, which actually means the same. It was one of those apps where you could order uh, food from restaurants. 
um, the, uh, Americans may know Grubhub, Uber Eats or stuff like this. So it's a competitor. I'm sure you see a lot of differences, but for most people out there, you are in this area and that's sufficient for them to know. Um, you, you talking about team global. This is like a revamp of team Europe. It's actually your company right now. Um, I, would you describe it as a company builder, as a company accelerator, as a VC, or as a mix of all of that? Yeah, I would say it's a mix of all of that. Basically, it's a technology holding company yeah, um, that is active across, like, yeah, not all, but like most of the stages of um, of uh, yeah, yeah, company lifecycle, so to say with the goal to build these large independent companies that can make it like to the, yeah, to, to, to become public companies um, with high liquidity, tens of billions. Yeah, um, and maybe like a few of them will break out to make it to the hundreds of billions while using technology to, to deliver genuine value to the world. Like, yeah. Long-term value. I believe this is the least, least risky proposition. I mean, so many risks if you start a business, yeah. I believe to minimize risk, if you do something that the world really needs, that's already a good, um, good start. You get tailwind from the, I call it like the tailwind from the universe. Yeah. Good example is also, also Tesla electrification of cars. You get some tailwind from the universe. If you, if you, if, if you go on such a, um, such a, such, such a mission. Yeah. And, um, but here, but here for us on the one hand, it's like starting of companies. Yeah, Delivery Hero was a company started by Team Europe and Lever Health too, so both of them. Um, Cirque as well. Um, so starting companies. Now we're preparing. We preparing a couple of new ones that we start um, ourselves, so to say, as Team Global. But then also we we have what I call like large minority positions where we team up with existing entrepreneurs, usually product and tech focused, usually great entrepreneurs. Um, um, but still, uh, yeah, like not, not um, sometimes not as experienced yet and not as focused as business, more focused on the on the product and tech. Teaming up with them, both in terms of um, capital, but also like hands-on work. Yeah, rolling up the sleeves, using the the expertise that we have to um, to support them. That happens often in the field of um, uh, how to build the organizations. Yeah, like hands-on. Identifying candidates, um, helping to shape the the, the C level, um, helping them to get engineers, like um, all of that. So that's the second bucket. So either starting companies, large minority positions with um, yeah these inspirational, aspirational, um, product driven founders, and then the third one would be um, more like minority positions where we invest, support them maybe for a while. Um, but are like not as heavily involved, but still that, yeah, it's good win-win situations with these type of, um, investments and helps us to grow, to learn, um, while generating returns that again, like fuels the system and also add value for, for these portfolio companies. Yeah. Here, for example, um, in the food delivery space, Volt would be one, like, um, some people in Europe might know it. Yeah. In the United States, we support ShareByte, we support Mercato. Um, we have a few companies in, in the aviation space um, that, that, that fit 
into this packet. Mm -hmm. What many of our frequent listeners and watchers will know is, for example, Volocopter, which is, as we've read in the news um, in March, currently thinking about doing a back deal and getting listed there. Oh, there's nothing you can tell about that. <laughs> oh, I can I can talk about urban air mobility, VTOL, vertical takeoff and landing. Yeah, so like we um, backed Volocopter, invested in Volocopter, something like almost five years ago now. I believe it's four years ago, and um, saw this field growing, um, contributed to this uh, to this field growing. It's again like a fascinating field, and some of the companies just went public via uh, spec acquisitions. So there is this persistent rumor. That Volocopter is uh, planning planning the same, yeah, and it is obviously um, I I can't comment. If they would do this, I could not say anything about it, yeah. So, um, but one thing that I can say is that they have an amazing concept that is yeah really great because of it's uh, fairly simple and it's built all around safety, all around safety mindset. So the likelihood is very high that this is going to be one of the first or maybe even the first urban air mobility company where you will be able to take a ride while being at the same safety level as with a commercial airliner. Yeah, So it's safer than a helicopter, much safer than, than, than automotive even. Yeah? Um, we forget often this, that automotive, the, yeah, it's not just that dramatic as a plane crashing, but um, streets are a dangerous place. Yeah? So... Um, again, Volocopter is one of the pioneers um, of this of this still evolving early early field. Yeah. I I actually had to smile when you when you talked about um, uh, also automotive is a dangerous place. Driving on the streets, everybody knows an idiot from the last few weeks who just cut cut in somewhere, made you step on the brakes or something. As uh, I think everybody can feel that, and we may add for everybody who doesn't know that Volocopter is a company that offers something that looks like a drone on steroids. So it has a lot of rotors going upwards. It looks like a small remote control uh, drone, but it's much larger and it can actually transport people in there. So that's what we are talking about. And as I said, there's a rumor going on that there's a SPAC deal on the table, but obviously for illegal reasons, you cannot talk about it. when I've been seeing a lot what you did, basically you're an all digital entrepreneur, a tech entrepreneur, and um, you've you've been talking about those uh, opportunities you see. For example, Luca, one of the founders of GetPenta, talked about that there was a moment where the App Store opened that enabled companies like Uber, um, like Snapchat, like WhatsApp to become successful and the omnipresence of the devices. Uh, do you think what enabled you and where do you see um, options right now that open up opportunities on, on a large level, something like this? Because I do believe a hell lot of people back in the days did not see anything happen in the app store besides like... Um, like um how's it called oh those those um angry birds right <laughs> yeah yeah so enablers sometimes um yeah sometimes they come you don't even see them coming obviously a big enabler was was the internet right the yeah um uh, yeah the internet per, per se that was the, the biggest enabler 
Um, but then, for example, and this is also goes back to Team Europe, one of the enablers for me was the political enabler, and this was like the monetary union in, in, in Germany, uh, just around the time, not in Germany, the, the, in Europe, obviously, right? When the, the euro was introduced. Before that, you had like all these different currencies, yeah? So more complexity. So for Spreadshirt, to be able to bootstrap a company like Spreadshirt, the, um, the monetary union was indeed key. Yeah, and some simplifications in the laws. And uh, so, so this was really important for me. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful that this happened. Uh, we take it for granted sometimes. Yeah. And I, I'm a proponent of even more simplifications, um, uh, across, across Europe. Yeah. We're still, we're, we're still not there. So that was one that is like sort of, um, sort of, sort of political. And on a, on the tech side now, like moving from all digital to more hardware. Um, the urban air mobility, for example, is enabled by how fast are the chips, how, what is, what, what is the flight control, but also like electrifications. So electrification is a major, uh, major enabler, um, for us. Yeah. And still here again, like regulatory will be, will be, um, will be very interesting. Um, and then, yeah. Regulatory will be interesting, but then there will be new enablers because of like with all this new, there will be uh, vertiports. Yeah. So this will make it like easier and accessible for, for new, uh, new entrants to offer like, yeah, services, um, services in here. Yeah. And then one, one next enabler on the horizon I see is like clean, abundant energy. Yeah. Um, let's see how fast we can unlock the, yeah, make energy. Keep it as cheap or make it even cheaper compared to what, what it is today while make it, um, while making it clean. So this will enable a lot, lot of things. And this is like my perspective. There's more enablers, like for example, biotech. Yeah. Um, here I'm looking now, we're looking at particle accelerators. Those are like tools then to, to, yeah, and that enable us to analyze, um, tissue viruses like all sorts of um, biomedical medica uh, you know, bio applications but also material and sciences etc so there, there, there are many now more like going on simultaneously the blockchain is one more yeah so like it's probably 10 of them and what i also want to ask you because we are already running a little bit over time but i was totally sure that i can talk to you for quite some time with uh, another question because we do have a lot of entrepreneurs listening to our podcast watching our youtube videos and um what what i found very interesting when i was preparing a little bit for this interview was that with companies like Cirque or deliver hero you entered at a late stage, so you have not been one of the fast movers. Um, can you share some advice with us on how you can still still win? Yeah, it's interesting. So um, sometimes, as an entrepreneur, specifically as a first-time entrepreneur, that that is what I learned. Like being a young person, people try to think like too complicated. They want to solve too many things at once. Yeah, for example. Um, now, with, even with urban air mobility, is it the right way to go full electric? Or maybe it's hybrid electric first, yeah? Um, before I solve, like, both problems, um, electric system, uh, I mean, like, affordable vertical takeoff and landing system, affordable, quiet, and safe, and electric, that's, that's quite a lot, yeah? So maybe a hybrid system might be the right thing. So here, 
by the way, we're, we're also working here with, uh, with our French partner, um, uh, Francky Zapata, an amazing engineer. We're working on something that will be, uh, will be unveiled soon and maybe a slight hint that it might become something, something hybrid. Uh, it's, it's going to be super, uh, super fascinating what we have there. So, um, please put it, um, put it on your watch list. So one thing is like, don't try to solve too many problems at once. Yeah. And then one other is like address, if you address a large enough market, it's not too niche, then it's, e then, then it's enough or easy to, to you know, add only a few things. An example of uh, with Delivery Hero, the enabler there, by the way, obviously was the mobile phone and the internet and the, uh, the, that it was like prevalent. And there were already companies that evolved in the first wave on the internet during the dot-com bubble and survived the dot-com bubble, although nobody was online yet. I mean, like when you, everybody was talking about being online and the internet was all over the place in the media, but like nobody really had it, right? And at this point, to start a food delivery company was a poor proposition. Interestingly, those who back then were financed went under, those who bootstrapped survived. And then when we came with Delivery Hero, Liefer Held, um, those who survived, they were there, but somehow they, they lacked things in the DNA. So, and this enabled us to come not really as a fast follow-up, but like as, as the next innovator. Yeah. And the innovation was simple. One was, for example, they didn't even have online payment. Yeah. So you need to pay cash at the door. It sounds funny, right? But one other was like they would transmit the orders via fax machine. Yeah. And what we introduced was, um, <laughs> There was like an order terminal yeah, that made it like more reliable and also gave a back channel to it. Imagine the fax machine is out of paper, then the order is lost and you sit at home and are hungry, right? Not a great customer experience. So one more innovation that we brought was like using online marketing professionally. We could, we, we could do this. Yeah. So like, like, like it's a bunch of small, um, of small innovation bringing a field to the next um, level. Yeah. So pick something where already someone exists and is large. Maybe established, but no longer agile, has some, um, some legacy, and then you have a good chance to innovate uh, uh, this field. So that's the, that's the pattern I've seen at a fast uh, follower. Yeah? And with Cirque, yeah, it was also driven by the desire to, 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 to play in mobility hardware while, while also using the energy that we had as, a, as an entrepreneurial team um, while waiting through the long development cycles of, uh, of VTOLs, yeah, because of coming from building purely digital businesses where it can be live in three to six months, um, to enter a field of building aircraft. It's, it's quite a, quite a change. Yeah. So, so it was something like perfectly in between where you have hardware, supply chain, all of that. Um, but still like fast time to market. Um, yeah, uh, global rollout. So it was pretty cool. Um, okay. My understanding is now that it, it's, you it can be successful if there's large incumbent, um, if they're not agile and you can just keep adding small innovations step by step and soon you'll be much better than your competitor. Would that be one of the possible lines of advice? Um, so no, sorry, say again, good. When you have a large incumbent and this one is not agile enough, you still have a good chance to win if you're fast and adding small innovations, small improvements, and you don't stop making your product better. And at the end, you'll be much better than the incumbent. That would be a possible way to win. 
Yes, exactly. That would be the possible way to um, um, to win. And you very often see this. It's very hard to be agile yeah, for large companies. I mean, like it's going to be interesting, for example, share by the company that I mentioned in New York, Yeah, how this will play out. They, they focus on uh, corporations. They have corporate social responsibility deeply ingrained, ingrained in their DNA. So this is an entrepreneur on a mission. And, and he is, he's very focused on this, um, B2B food delivery situations where you deliver into an office. And it's a lot of nitty gritty de- uh, details. Yeah. So curious how, uh, whoever is there now, Rep Hub, um, and, and, and Dordish, how they will, um, yeah, deal with that. But, but this, I, this, this I laugh. Yeah. And here I laugh is one, one of things, innovations. And the other thing is like what I like about share by this being mission driven, mission driven, doing the right thing for the planet doing the right thing for society, it adds some extra energy. And Sharebyte, um, they, they um, donate um, a significant tile of their, uh, of, of their profits, of their, of their revenue. Um, they give away to um, yeah, malnourished um, kids in the United States. Yeah? So they, they, they support them. I mean, like it's a very sad that this problem even does exist, but they, they're, really, yeah, they're really solving it, making an impact. They make it also easy for corporations to make an impact. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very cool story. I mean, I'm very proud to be, a, to be a part of it, a small part of it. I understand. Plus I deduce from what we've been talking about some, something like to close out the interview, uh, that you're not the, as they describe themselves in the past, the big picture guys, no details, no details, big picture guys, but actually it's the details I take from the interview that makes you win or lose, as you said, paying cash uh, when you receive the uh, the money, uh, when you receive the food, um, getting feedback, not using fax machines, stuff like that. So basically the secret to winning is in the details. Yeah, yeah, both is true. The secret to winning is like to have the vision Bet on the right patterns. And those are basically, to some extent, easy, right? At least like, you start with technology. You start with delivering genuine value to what does society really need. Not only what it, what it thinks it needs today, what does it need tomorrow? So like the, the, the big vision, if you run into wrong directions, the best execution will not help you, right? So you can, and, um, and then on the other hand, if you have a great vision, it's worth zero. You have a great idea. It's worth, worth zero if you do not execute it. Yeah. And the execution is about like a lot of the, uh, yeah, a lot of the nitty gritty, um, details. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And, and the execution finally makes the successful entrepreneur because he has to work a lot and he has to pay um, attention to the details and there has to be one spot where all of it comes together, where the decisions are made and that has to be him. So fully agree. Fully agree. Great. Great. I, that, I'm totally happy that we agree here on this. Um, Lukas, thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you here. Hopefully I'll have you back in some time. Um, once again, congratulations to your special award from the German Startup Association. And best of luck for all the ventures you're going to start or assist with Team Global. Everybody who'd like to learn more, they can go down here in the show notes and there will be a link to the Team Global website where people can reach out to your team and uh, pitch some ideas and set pitch decks and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Most welcome. Looking forward. Thanks a lot. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
If you are a professional looking at the European startup scene, Germany is a place you cannot miss. Fortunately for you, there is StartupRad.io, the authority on German startups. This English-only podcast brings you fresh interviews each week. Most likely, you have never heard or read anything on these startups before in English, but you will in the future. Be ahead of the curve and subscribe to StartupRad.io podcast or check for the StartupRad.io internet radio station. Check your Alexa for the StartupRad.io skill as well.